Welcome to The Grow Show, powered by Steel. On The Grow Show, we share ideas, tips, tactics, and insights to help you grow your landscaping business based on our team's 40 years of experience running a landscaping company and working with other owners and their teams to do the same. New episodes are released weekly on Wednesdays. Without further ado, here's your host, Marty Grunder. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever the case may be. This is Marty Grunder from Grunder Landscaping Company and the Grow Group. And we are on the Grow Show today with my great friend, the Grow Show powered by Steel, with my great friend from Steel and soon to be yours too, Roger Phelps. Roger, how are you? Hey, how are you, Marty? Great to be here with you. Well, it's always great to be with you. You always are smiling. You have a positive outlook on life. And, and I so cherish the friendship that we've developed through the years. You're you're at Steel. You've been there a while. I know your story, but there's there's a lot to learn um, from just talking about Roger. Tell us how you ended up at Steel. <laughs> Give us a little bit of, of the background so people can get to know you a little bit. Well, I, I can tell you it's not the normal career path. So that's one thing I can tell people is like where you start is not where you end. So uh, Amen. yeah, born and born and raised in Montclair, New Jersey. So I can talk like this too. But, uh, you know, went to the Naval Academy, graduated in 85. I did eight years active duty uh, surface line, uh, literally traveled around the world twice, uh, did a couple of tours in the Persian Gulf. Uh, and after uh, two years active and two, uh, eight years active and two years in the reserves, um, decided I had an opportunity to pursue other uh, areas. And, uh, you know, my wife, God bless her, uh, posed a very interesting question. She said, you know, you can do what you can do or do what you want to do. She said, what I do you want it. to do? Yeah. I, it was one of those that really stopped me in my tracks because Obviously, getting out of the Navy, I could have gone to the Beltway Bandits and selling weapon systems and so forth. But, you know, honestly, I found that I really I wanted to help people and uh, entertain them, make them smile. And uh, so I got out and actually went into the event business. Uh, I went from shooting missiles to booking bands. So and obviously, you know, career choice. But um, no, it's interesting. I found that my collateral duties in the Navy always ended up being something in the area of either events or public relations. And so that's what I started focusing on. Um, so after a stint with a private company, the city of Norfolk as an operations manager and executive director for a major uh, tall ships event and uh, handling events for a uh, international arts festival, I was basically introduced to steel. They had a position open to produce the steel timber sports series. I said, wait a second, you mean I get to play with axes, chainsaws, and produce a television show for ESPN? I'm your man. Right. So I uh, got the job, and I guess I didn't mess it up too badly because uh, within a couple of years, I had uh, inherited public relations. A few years after that, I actually saw, kind of read the tea leaves, saw the power of social media, and I actually had the opportunity to present social media and the need for a social media program to Hans Peter Steele, uh, the son of our founder. So as you can imagine, right. um, presenting Facebook to a 71-year-old German engineer was a challenging task, but to his credit, uh, you know, after I got done, he asked uh, one question, I think, and uh, immediately understood it, which is really, I think, goes to the power of this company and the leadership but said, yes, pursue it. So uh, here I am now, 22 years later, corporate communications manager. So I handle our social media, our co corporate PR, event marketing, strategic partnerships. And of course, I still 
work with the timber sports, but we've added a new program and now we're branching out into influencers and uh, yeah, you know, and, and partnerships like the one we enjoy with you and the other right. associations. So it's been a great career. So I know leadership is, is a very, very important topic to you. And, you know, this is the grow show here. So it's my show. I can tell the truth. We had you, you're a sponsor of, of grow our annual event. We do. And a couple of years ago, we were in new Orleans and I asked you if you would do the keynote to wrap us up with. And you said, well, of course I'll do it. And I had seen you speak, Roger. I spent enough time with you. I knew you'd do a great job. I believe I told you we had a couple people in the audience that complained that somebody <laughs> from Steel was going to come up at the end and talk about equipment for an hour. Why would Marty do yeah. that? That's terrible. Yeah. I'm, le- I'm leaving early. And yeah. that's not what happened. You get, You had us all on the edge of our seats for 45 minutes talking about leadership and other things. I know leadership is an important subject to you. Your time at the Naval Academy, how did that shape you as a leader? You know, I mean, you're right. Uh, You've obviously hit on a a hot button for me because I think it really, I I, I don't know how to, I don't think you can overstress and overemphasize how important leadership is in life. You know, I really, I, I was fortunate. I mean, the Naval Academy, obviously, its its mission is to train the future leaders of the U.S. Navy. I wasn't thinking that when I went in. You know, I had visions of Errol Flynn and swashbuckling and so forth. <laughs> I was quickly abused of that uh, in my first year as they beat me around the head and shoulders. But um, but the but the leadership training, you know, was amazing and it was significant because you know, obviously probably nowhere else but in combat is is leadership more important. Um, but I did learn a few things, you know. I started determining that leadership is not authority. Leadership is not management. You know, leadership is the realm of inspiration. It is the realm of compassion. It is the realm of building trust. It's leading from the front You know, I mean, that's really what started this journey for me because I've been fortunate. I've I've had examples of really poor leaders and really good leaders. And I think as you and I have always talked about, I mean, all of us, we should be learning from the pros and the cons and glean from both and, and shape our own lives. But, you know, really what it's come down to is I started to realize is that, you know, people follow for a variety of reasons. I mean, one I would think would be, you know, a positional reason. All right. You're the president or you're the owner. And so therefore I take your my orders. Um, another might be legal. You know, I'm a, I'm a police officer or I have a legal authority over you. Right. But and but 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 finally, I'd say it's influence. It's it's this when people follow out of voluntary because they voluntarily follow you because they trust you and they honestly believe that you care about them. Right. That is the most powerful organization ever. And, and that's really what I took away from that. And through my time, I've, I've tried to mold myself after that. I think leadership is one of those things. I I don't think there is such a thing as a born leader. Yeah. I think leadership is a, a lifelong pursuit. It's something that you need to continuously hone, right. that we all need to do that, which is why I think, you know, things like grow where we spend time on leadership right. um, is so valuable. But uh, yeah, that's really what's kind of helped shape my, at least my attitude towards it. I, I hope I'm modeling it. But well, you have, you have a process. lot of, well, you have a lot of emotional intelligence. You understand it's not about you. 
Um, I, I've witnessed that firsthand on many occasions. When you were at Grow, you told a story about your wife, Andrea, and her business. And it was, you were talking to all of us about, you know, being someone or having a mission and a vision that someone would want to follow. Right. Do you remember the story? Would you, would you want to share it again? Because oh, yeah. when you said it, I was like, <laughs> that was like an epiphany for me to, to be very mindful about what, our say, what we're saying as owners, because we don't realize sometimes how poorly we're coming across and self-centered we we can be. You, you know, it's fascinating. I, I mean, I remember that. I remember the context because, I mean, I think you and I are both kind of a, a fan of Simon Sinek's and the yes. power of why. Yeah. And so I've kind of molded my, yep. my personal belief system after that. Why? And it, got, it goes back to why, why do I do something? Why do I get up in the morning? Why, you know, why should anyone else care that I got up that morning? So what motivates me or us as individuals? And, and again, we're back to that whole issue of leadership, and that's the realm of why. And uh, I remember my, I was sharing my presentation with my wife, and she was laughing because I was kind of using the whys, you know, and getting to the motivation. And she goes, oh, you mean not like the one with a company I work for, where the mission statement was to deliver maximum profit for our shareholders. Right. I was like, oh boy, I, you know, yeah. if I was working for that company, I can't wait to roll out of bed right. so that I can deliver some sort of whopping bid dividend for some guy who knows nothing about the business right. who plunked a bunch of investment dollars in it. I mean, is right. that, is that truly how you're trying to motivate your people? Right. right. Yeah. And that it would always stick with me because, you know, your words and your, and your inspiration or what you share with your people matters. Why are they getting up in the morning? Right. Why are they working? Why do they care about quality or efficiency or whatever? Is it because somebody somewhere gets a new Mercedes? Right. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it really stuck with me. And I, it's made me more mindful of that topic. Well, I, I think you make a great point. And I think part of the challenge of a leader is, you know, and you indicated this, Roger, you're never, you're never done. Okay. It's not <laughs> like you'd be like, I got leadership figured out. I don't get any more help there. I don't need to read another book. I don't need yeah. to listen to anybody. I got it. Well, I think if you start saying that, you obviously ain't got it. Okay. To use yeah. poor grammar. Well, well complacency um, kills, man. It complacency does. Kills. Yep. And and why um, maybe for the top three people in that company that your wife worked at, maybe that would resonate with them to a degree. For the majority of the people in organization, you know, they're not working to improve your EBITDA owners that are with us today. You right. know, you got a picture of a new bass boat and you're telling them, let's have a good year so I can get my bass boat. I mean, hello, talk about insensitive and getting people to check out. You've got to have a message that resonates with everyone. And absolutely. I, I guess you can't always have a message that resonates with everyone, but you have to have one that those that are that are interested in being part of your organization, that it resonates with the majority. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no such thing as, you know, one size fits all the perfect right. message or whatever. I mean, we're human beings. There's there's no way it will. But a vast majority, you can certainly figure that out. You know, I mean, it's the old saying, two guys laying bricks, you know, and one and you ask what they're doing. One guy says, I'm laying bricks. The other right. guy says, I'm building a church. Which one's more inspired, right? Right, exactly. Exactly. What what's a when you look back on your 22 years at Steel, your time in the Naval Academy, the couple other positions you had in between the Naval Academy and joining Steel, 
what are what are some mistakes that you made that maybe we could all learn from? I will I will say this, and and this is just a personal philosophy thing. I think all of us are motivated by two emotions. That's it: fear and love. You know, a lot of what we do, a lot of the mistakes we make, are probably out of a of a situation where we're afraid of something. Are we afraid of being embarrassed? Are we afraid of yep. failure? Whatever it is. And so I'll start there. I mean, my my first division officer tour, you know, I'm 23 years old. I'm straight out of the academy. I'm on a ship. I'm in charge of a 32-man division. 23 years old. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I got multiple millions of dollars worth of equipment at my, I mean, you you want to talk about intimidation. and, And so, but out of fear, I felt like I needed to be the the smartest guy in the room and right. it was my way or the highway. I didn't want to hear from anybody, right? Yeah. So I think you know, that's common. And, it was always, and I was always driving for better and better. Out of the out of the goodness of my heart, I wanted us to continuously improve. And I remember the one day the senior chief pulled me aside. He said, you know, Mr. Phelps, do you realize that every time you give a compliment, it's followed by a but? And it, it floored me. I'm like, no way. That's not what I do. And sure enough, the very next day I heard myself saying, great job, guys, but. Right. And I was like, yeah. So, you know, I was lacking it. And then understanding that I had great people working for me. I needed to trust them. You know, I needed to trust. My job was to set, maybe work with them and set the vision and the direction of what we were doing. Right. It was their job. And then get out of their way. Right. Let them do what they were there for. Uh, I would say that's the one thing. The one thing, the second mistake I've definitely made that I'm working on is, you know, invariably people are coming in with me to me and wanting, hey, we got a problem or we have a situation or whatever. And I'm a, I'm a fixer by nature. Right. So, you know, my initial thought is do this, do this, do this, do this. Right. I mean, just do this now go away. But what I realized is I'm actually training those people to be helpless. Yeah, you, you know, are, you're right. I'm, you're enabling I'm, them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling them I don't trust them. I don't rely on them. They need to wait for me to make the decision. And I'm also letting them off the hook. So I I remember a great saying, it's about a monkey. You know, the person comes into your office, they got a monkey on their back. Well, guess what? I'm happy to pet the monkey. I'm happy to feed the monkey. I'm happy to make it dance, whatever you want. But guess what? You're leaving with that monkey. Don't give me that monkey. (laughs) Right. Right. So true. But, yeah, I'd say those are the two big ones. Well, and a big... And there's plenty more. <laughs> well, no, I mean, heck, we could probably have a nine-month-long podcast if we were going to talk about the mistakes <laughs> I made. But you really made me think of something because I think when you say, when you give a compliment and then you say, but, they don't remember what you said before, but. They only they no. only remember and hear what you say after that. Exactly and right. That is a small nuance about communication and high and leaders with high emotional intelligence that understand things that 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 can be dangerous. You know, I, I no, know you're as I absolutely I've, right, right, and and, and I you're know as right. I yeah. yeah, as I've gotten older and more mature as a leader, I'm I'm much more careful now at age fifty four, even that, than I was at forty four, about the battles that I pick. You know, yeah. there's we're trying to get better together, and while you know you or I are a guy that wants. The, the improvement to go from here to here, really, we're looking for steps. We're looking for people to get better. Um, yeah, it definitely has to be. It, it needs to be a, a process. It needs to be a philosophy of continuous improvement. Amen. And, and, we, and that means risk. I 
I mean, yes. you have to allow your people the opportunity to fail. Now, you don't want to be stupid about it, but at the same time, they've got to have the ability right. to, to and, stretch. And that's and how they fail. learn. That, that's and, how, yeah. yeah, agreed. Yeah. Plain and simple, Roger, steel is a powerhouse. I mean, they are, um, literally and figuratively. They're a wonderful company. We love your equipment. I've been running your weed eater since I was 14 years old, so 40 <laughs> years on those orange things. I've had the wonderful opportunity to get a private confidential tour of the plant with you. I've seen firsthand the pride that goes into that manufacturing, and I've been a lot of manufacturing plants. I have never seen one that was as clean and full of happy people as I saw in your place. It would appear to me you have a wonderful culture there. Now, I know Steel is a multi-billion dollar company. The Grow Show is talking predominantly to small business owners. So I understand why our listeners today might say, well, I, I don't see how I can draw a common with a multi-billion dollar company that has this beautiful manufacturing plant. Mm, yeah. I say au contraire. I think you can. <laughs> how does Steel... You have a great culture. What goes into that great culture? Help us learn from that. You know, I mean, I, I, I want to address that last comment you just said, because I, you know, the, think about the history of steel. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It was 1926. And Andreas Steel was a young German engineer. And, uh, you know, he saw those guys out there in the Black Forest using handsaws and axes and said there has to be a better way. Right. And he went out and invented the world's first electric chainsaw. And he started right. out of a small garage, you know, with 20 people or whatever. And it grew to a global company. And, you know, in 1974, Steel Incorporated started here in the U.S. as a subsidiary of the global company with manufacturing. And we had 20, 50 people in a 20,000 square foot space, you know, and we were assembling one model of chainsaw. So, you know, humble beginnings doesn't mean much. I mean, I think the way you go from humble beginnings to a global or a national company is because of your culture. Because, right. it, and, and it's really interesting that you asked that question because just yesterday, I was working with my uh, colleagues in Germany. They have a new career brochure that they give out to new people who are being hired on, and I'm helping them do the translation from German to English. And so all of these things were being called out. So it's amazing that you just said that. But, you know, when I think about it, it really goes back to the fact that, it, you know, it is a family concern. I think everything begins and ends with the family. I mean, we are privately owned, but we're still family owned. We're now in what we call G3, the third generation, and G4 is already in positions of leadership. And, and it doesn't mean that every company has to be family owned, but it's it's what does that mean? Well, it means that the culture, the, the why behind we, what we do, the overall tone, everything is being set by the family. And you set the process up. And, and when I looked at it, it really is about that everything that we do is rooted with that why of finding a better way to make it easier, safer, more efficient, more effective for our customers to work with and in nature. And, and as an extension of that, you know, this idea that we've got roots in nature and that really, I mean, you think about almost all of our tools are being used by people who are caring for nature in some way, whether it's tree care or landscaping or whatever. I, I never thought about that. You're right. And, 
It is. And, and so, you know, this idea of sustainability, that we have a responsibility to the planet, but sustainability means so many more things. You know, I'm on the NALP Sustainability Council now, and we're talking about, you know, sustainability, yes, but it means the continuation of. So there's business sustainability, there's personal sustainability, there's so you know, this, this idea that we've got roots in nature and that we, this power to grow, which I think is hilarious, not hilarious, but I think it's just so wonderful that we're working with a grow group right. when one of our fundamental premises is that we have the power to grow right. as individual employees. We have the power to grow our, our, our careers. Um, the fact that we only distribute through our independent retailers. Uh, so which, we're giving them the power when to you think about it. Yeah, they yeah. haven't succumbed to, you know, major distribution, discount retailers. It's cool. Well, and, and again, I mean, like that goes back to the family. I mean, Mr. Steele himself said, you know, if I was in it just to make the money, yeah. I would have made a lot of different decisions. So, right. you know, we have the ability to make decisions now that are not financially, quote unquote, wise in the near term. But we know that in the long term will be for the good of the company. Yeah. So, you know, that power to grow, the, this idea that, yes, we have our roots in tradition, but we're able to grow into innovation and, and embrace new technologies. And, and, and then finally, like I said, it, it starts and ends with the family, the fact that we as employees, honestly, and I know this is, it may sound trite and everyone says, yeah, you have to say that. But honestly, at this point in my career, I don't. Right. So the, the point is, I feel treated like family. Yeah. You know, the, the people around me all bleed orange. Right. And right. and we don't we don't spend hours here because of the paycheck, because, you know, my dad always used to say no amount of money makes a bad job. Good. Yeah. We do it because we believe that, A, we're doing something important. We're doing something meaningful. We're doing it with people we care about. I trust that the company is going to take care of me. Right. I want to take care of the company. And frankly, I'm proud as hell to get on a plane and have the steel logo on my shirt. And I can't wait for the person to go, right. Oh man, I have a steel. Oh, right. something, something. You know, it's exactly. like, hey, man, that's like 50 years old. Do you want to get a new one? Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I, I honestly believe that that trickles down. And when you feel like you're part of something important, something meaningful. Yeah. It's easy to smile. Well, and I, I was, I mean, I was really struck by the culture from the guard shack, the, the cleanliness <laughs> of the grounds, the cleanliness of the manufacturing plant, the people that we interacted on the shop floor, the, the one station where they were making the chainsaws, yeah. the thing puts fuel in it and then sucks the fuel out in this like clean environment. I, even Emily, who's, you know, half my age was with us on that tour was like, what in the world is, look at that. I mean, and there were people smiling. Yeah. Isn't that cool? The one guy said to me, isn't it cool? I get to work on this all day. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, I, I'm always mindful of that stuff because we don't own our employees. Okay. They can, they no. can leave whenever they want and they were doing good work. They were happy and, and you've provided some good insight on there. Uh, thank you very much. You also mentioned NALP, the National Association of Landscape Professionals an association that both of us are very fond of. I'm most fond of NALP for the advocacy work that they do on behalf of landscape professionals everywhere. You and I are, are active in the National Collegiate Landscape Competition. You have made a far bigger impact there than I have as a sponsor and an MC. Tell us a little bit more about the National Collegiate Landscape Competition and why you love that event huh. and what other landscape pros that are with us today could glean from that event. 
You know what? I'm, I think this could probably sum it all up. Uh, two weeks ago, I was at the NALP Leaders Forum, right. uh, where, I don't know, 20, 30 of the top 100 landscape companies were represented with CEOs and other people. And I mean, it was all the heavy hitters, you know, we're walking around and I spotted this young man and I said, man, that guy looks really familiar. And, and I walked over to him and sure enough, I mean, this was a gentleman that I had met 15, I think 15 years ago at the NCLC as a college competitor who now owned his own landscape company who had, you know, who was investing in the trip to Maui and, and everything else so that he could interact with heavy hitters, you know, like, like the Frank Mariani's and like the Bob Grover's and green from them. And I'm thinking, holy cow, that's what this industry is all about. The opportunity to go from college student and, or like you, you know, a single mower, Right to a multi-million-dollar business, right. and and so when I look at the NCLC, I mean, I don't see college students. Right. I, I don't see students at all. I see right. the future of our industry, the exactly. future of our community, the future of our economy, the future of our planet. And I tell you, being able to, in any small way, inspire those individuals, um, provide, you know, meaning uh, sharing with them my mistakes. So hopefully they can avoid those and maybe make new ones. But, you know, to me, that that opportunity, to me, I consider it a true privilege. And honestly, Marty, a blessing that we have the ability to interact with those kids. I understand. I I, I know for myself the last 10 years, because I'm no longer a kid, unfortunately, (laughs) Uh, I I enjoy being around young people to figure out what makes them click because they're the future of our business. And we have to, from a marketing perspective, understand them better. And from a company culture perspective, we have to understand them better. And if you don't spend any time being around those you're trying to lead in the future, I just don't see how you're going to get better. I I think it's critically important to have a dialogue with young folks. Yeah, I, I, I think that's it. I mean, I think as leaders, we're agents of change. Yeah. You know, I mean, ju- I mean that, uh, like I said, complacency kills stagnant. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? The uh, stagnant water just gets scum yes. on the pond, right? You right. got to keep moving and you got to right. keep adjusting. And let's face it, this incoming workforce has different priorities. Yeah. It doesn't mean they don't want to work. I right. think that it's just that their motivations are slightly different. I mean, right. we come from a generation where, you know, we kind of lived to work. Right. And and they work to live and they're much more meaning driven yes. than we are. I agree I, with you. Were, I think. And it doesn't make it right or wrong. It's it's no, no, it no. It, and you got a structure a culture judgment. that adapts to that. Yeah. And I think that's actually one of the challenges. That's why I love the sessions that you provide, because, again, it's 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 like, hey, I've got a very diverse workforce here. I've got right. everything from boomers all the way down to, right. you know, somebody who was born before I even want to think about it. Right. You know, I mean, I don't you know, it's like it seems like two days ago. Oh, but I mean, anyway. There's kids now that come in here to apply for jobs and they were born in the 2000. You know, they got a two zero in yeah. front of their birthday. I'm yeah, that's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> But 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 in all seriousness, you know that again. I mean, as a leader, that's the challenge. We've got to figure out how to lead for all of them. 
and and frankly bring them along. So again, I think the opportunity to sit down with these young people and be and learn that you know Amen. they are they want this. They have ideas. Right. They have it's exciting, and I, I look forward to more of that. And then obviously inspiring them or hopefully inspiring them to participate in the association. Because, well, you do, and and you're not phony. Yeah. I mean, I've seen you. You you remember people and you single them out in a good way and you make connections and you're making an impact. We got a, a few more minutes here on the Grow Show with Roger Phelps from Steel Corporation. The future for steel, I know that they have evolved into a tremendous amount of battery operated equipment. Um, as a side commercial, I truly believe every man in the world should have a battery operated steel chainsaw in their garage. <laughs> we, we had a windstorm come through and I had some small limbs come down and I took my battery operated chainsaw out. I didn't have to worry about having fuel or two cycle or anything. I put on all my safety equipment, my chaps, my helmet, and I went out and that thing, boom, 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 boom. That's my favorite steel tool. But here at the company, we're gradually outfitting all of our maintenance crews with steel's battery-operated equipment. We have a tremendous amount of your gas-operated equipment. But let's talk a little bit about where is the industry going with handheld equipment? And I really want you to touch on battery and maybe dispel some of the misnomers that folks may have on it. Yeah, I think, you know, battery, in fact, I'll, uh, you know, I, I enjoy that. Last year, I think at the Grow Conference, we had a session. We'll be doing more yes. of that as well in the future. Right. Um, but, you know, I think I, I think when I think about the future of the company, I mean, yes, it really is both. I mean, I think we all know how important gas and and everything has a place. So I would say that our future really involves a responsible approach to the power that's being used, whether that's gas and making it more fuel efficient, making it less emission, making it lower noise to address those sustainability concerns, and as well as battery, because let's face it, I mean, the battery technology is definitely improving, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it's some sort of panacea and that everything right. has been solved. Right. There are some real challenges, but at the same time, there are some real advantages. And so I'd say in addition to the technology of the batteries where the run times are improving, the charging times are, are being shortened, the charging solutions are improving, the way the batteries communicate with the tools is improving to ensure you get the maximum flow of energy. The right. tools themselves, I mean, our brand new 135 line is built right here in Virginia Beach. And it's using basically fundamentally all the same components as our gas equipment. It's just as powered by a battery unit. The life cycles of the battery are increasing. So the numbers of times that you can charge it increases over time. So, you know, I, I would say that, you know, that that all of that's improving. I would say that right now for the majority of the tools, you are in fact getting gas comparable performance. Um, the only right. one, I, and I'm going to be flat out with everybody, and I don't care what brand you use, but right now the blowers, right, the blowers are the biggest consumers of energy, and therefore the performance of the blower is not comparable. I mean, it's comparable to a low-end backpack, right? But uh, you know, it's 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 one of those that it's a little bit challenging. So you know, so really, the future of ours, our future is not just the products, but it's creating creating calculators, creating resources and tools that a landscaper such as yourself can go in and say, hey, look, this is my operation right. now. I want to go battery. What's the comparable tool? 
if I burn this much gas, how many charges of battery do I need? And what are my options of charging either overnight or in the field? And then how much work, work can I get out of it? Because everyone's focused on runtime. Of course, I asked someone, well, how long does your unit run on a tank of gas? And I, go, I don't know, you know, right, I run until exactly. it's empty and refill know. it. Right. Well, we need to, we need to kind of adjust, but Hey, let's face it. You mentioned NALP and you know, the work that Andrew Bray is doing. Oh, Andrew uh, Bray is terrific. I mean, we have to, the threat yeah. is out there. So right. I guess the question now for most of your listeners and your landscapers is, do you want to be, do you want to be part of the problem, you know, or wait for the problem to, uh, right. you know, overtake you? Right. Or do you want to get out ahead of it? And, right. I, and I would definitely recommend that everybody at least adopt maybe one crew and learn from that. Our, our, our team loves the stuff. It, it's, I think it's a little bit akin to somebody driving a Prius in that you feel good using the equipment. You feel like you're doing good. <laughs> and, and I appreciate that. I will also tell you, for everyone that's joined us, I have two son-in-laws now, Roger. And I am father-in-law of the, probably the decade. And it's so hard to buy presents. And so I started out with the steel battery powered uh, mower for both of my son-in-laws when they got their first house with my daughters. Then I got them the weed eater. Then I got them the blower. There's a couple other things I have in mind. That little battery operated. Oh, the GTA. Which is very hard to get. That's killer. Yeah. You know, so anyway, that's, that's a tip there. And I think what you said is right. I mean, in the fall, we have to bring out the big boys, the, the big steel uh, yeah. backpack blowers to, to move the leaves like we do. But for the majority of the tasks in Dayton, Ohio, from March 15th till about October 1st, the battery operated equipment, and it's all steel here, has performed terrific. The maintenance on them is hardly anything. And we, they love them. Um, we have some yeah. women that work on the crews. And they appreciate the lightweight of some of that stuff. And yeah. I just got to tell you, I mean, we're big fans of it. Well, I think most people are finding that. And, you know, it has some real advantages, too. I mean, when you look at the hedge trimmers, for instance, you know, because right. an electric motor has higher torque uh, than a gas powered, you have less chance of bogging down. So you actually get cleaner cuts. I didn't you know, know the that. blades. The blades on those hedge trimmers are exactly the same as the gas powered ones. But now it's being powered by an electric motor that can power through the stems. And so, you know, you find advantages like that. Guys go home and their wives or their spouses say, you know, you don't you don't smell, smell like, like two cycle fuel exactly. anymore. I will say this. I mean, you know, people are focusing on the initial startup cost of and it is it's more expensive. But I would I would really encourage people and we're coming up with tools to do this is to start extrapolating out. If you compare the cost of, you know, a watt or whatever of, of electricity to it takes to recharge the battery and you do that over the time. I mean, you start seeing that you could potentially start breaking even depending on hours right. of runtime right. when you factor in fuel cost, two cycle fuel mix, maintenance costs, things All like, that. you know, whatever. So again, we're going to try to help people make the right decision for their operation. I'm not, you know, going either way. I mean, we we are still cranking out gas yep. equipment. We're still cranking yep. out battery equipment. Agreed. We're even making it here in the U.S. now. Agreed, which is awesome. Yep. Roger, it's it's been awesome to to be with you. The most impactful thing that you said to me in the last 40 minutes was find a better way. Yep. And I think that is a mindset of a winner. I think that winners like Roger Phelps, the Steel Corporation, 
finding a better way is the mindset we should have on a daily basis. Find a better way to get along with people. Find yes. a better way to make equipment. Find a better yes. way to fix things. You know, all those things. And, and I yeah. think when you wake up engaged, you put a smile on your face, maybe even if you don't feel like smiling, which Roger, you and I both know at our age, there's some days that are like that. <laughs> and, and, and we find a better way, we're going to win. You got it. You're right. Let's do it. How can people get a hold of you? How can, if someone wants to get a demo of battery equipment, if someone wants to get a gas powered blower, if someone wants to flip their fleet, what should they do, Roger? Well, I mean, everything starts with our website. So go okay. to steelusa.com, steelusa.com. And uh, there's an entire, you know, slash professional. That's the entire area for professional products and okay. assets. And if you go further, steelusa.com slash professional slash training, okay. you can actually enter in a desire to have someone either come out and our guys do that because we we have 11 regional distributors. They can offer you professional safety and operation training at no cost and can bring a demonstration of uh, battery equipment so uh, your, your listeners, your viewers can try it out for themselves and see if it's right for them. Well, I would highly encourage everyone to do that. We Brian Equipment is the is the distributor here in the Ohio area. They have extremely knowledgeable people. I know when you and I were in Nashville last week for Grow, some <laughs> of those men were out with us for dinner. They couldn't yeah. be nicer. They're knowledgeable. Heck, I even bought a machine from for my daughter and he delivered it to her <laughs> house. So that's awesome. I, I, yeah. He lives in Nashville, so I don't know how you could ask any better. Roger, you're a gentleman, you're a scholar. The Grow uh, Group appreciates your support. I appreciate everything that you do for the industry. We so enjoyed having you on the Grow Show today, powered by Steel. Have a great day. Thanks, Marty. Take care. So long, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Grow Show. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And head to growgroupinc.com for more information and resources to grow your landscaping business. A special thanks to the folks at Steel, whose support makes this podcast possible and whose reliable handheld power equipment makes our jobs easier daily. We'll talk to you next week.